All right. Good morning. Great time of worship today. We are so glad that you are with us today. And we come today to the end of a journey. That is, we finally started in January, the first Sunday in January. We began a journey called Sweet Surrender. And we've talked about surrendering um, our bodies, our lives, our hearts, our minds to God. And I have to tell you the truth. I have been surprised at the impact that this series has made on me personally. And I, you know, it's kind of a sad thing when you, when you go on a journey, it's kind of a, a sweet sorrow thing. And I'm really hoping this is not the end of a journey, but we're the beginning of a journey. That as we have gone together, we have learned things that will impact us for the rest of our lives. One thing that happened incidentally um, along the way, well, I, I kind of was refreshed this morning in Sunday school. Um, about oh half, maybe maybe about two weeks in, three weeks into the series, um, I watched a series by Andy Stanley entitled Brand New. And he was talking about how when Jesus came, that it was something totally brand new. It wasn't church, uh, you know, the second version. It wasn't religion, the second version. That what he brought was something totally, totally brand new. And part of that was the simplicity of really the gospel message. Uh, you almost could say the gospel itself, but the gospel message, the journey. And it boils down to this. You know, it boils down to love God and love people. Love God and love people. And that really made a huge impact on my life. And you're going to hear that throughout this year. I'm positive because we have this amazing ability to make simple things hard. And I really think we've done that. And yet Jesus himself, you know, Jesus is the one who said, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your spirit and your strength and love your neighbors yourself. And on this hinges all the law and all the prophets. He said it really is quite simple. Love God, love people. And then to that I would add, not adding to the words of Jesus, but something you already know because you've learned over the last 10 or 11 weeks is that as we love God, love people, we have to surrender. We have to surrender. Love God, love people, surrender all. I still remember Dave. You know, it's so funny how certain things, I, I quoted you the other day, you know, when, when Trent was a lot younger. And I, I quoted him Wednesday night and, and how Brent was having a talk with Trent and Trent was going through something. And he said, you know, Dad, talking about God, he said, you know, Dad, sometimes you just need flesh and bones. And I never forgot that. Because it's true. And Dave one day was talking, and, and we were talking about purity and sexual purity with our teenagers, you know, and, and Dave was talking with me. And he said, but you know, Joanne, it's really not a sexual purity issue. It's a surrender issue. And that's exactly right. I guess what I have taken home from this thing is that my life, my journey, my, my discipleship journey with Jesus is all about me saying our God is an awesome God, and he reigns. In other words, he is the king. If he's the king, I'm not. And if he's reigning, I'm not. If he's on the throne, then I'm not. And listen to your pastor. And in the 15 years I've been with you, the most simplistic yet powerful thing I could share with you today is this. That the keystone of love God, love people, surrender all is so powerful and impactful personally in our families and in our church. You know, Sherlock Holmes is attributed to saying... It's elementary, my dear Watson, and it really is. It's very, very simple. And, you know, we say we can't share the gospel because we don't know enough scripture. And yet, tell your story. Just tell your story. And as you journey through life, love people. Love people. And as you go through life with different issues and areas of your life, learn to surrender all. 
So here was the pretext. Here was the pretext of the whole series were these words. How would your world be different? How would your world be different? It, if we went through, and this all started again with a sermon series I heard probably two years ago. How would my world be different if I surrendered the very at, various aspect, aspects of Dwayne Taylor? How would my world be different if I really laid down areas of my life? The first thing we talked about what really was, was a salvation message because surrender begins with salvation. You know, there's a new term, and terms are always picked up, and it's called a selfie. It's where you take your iPhone or your smartphone and you hold it back and you take a picture of yourself. And in that first sweet surrender moment, we talked about we had to get an honest appraisal of who we are. We had to take a look and we went to Proverbs in chapter 6. And we watched as the author of Proverbs did a stroke-by-stroke portrait. And we saw that we are a very broken people. We're a depraved people. Listen, we need a Savior. The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there is none righteous. No, not one. In Proverbs chapter 6, we saw all of these brush strokes. And we saw our desperate need of a Savior. And the, and the closing part, the devotional part that day, the decision part, was an invitation for you to surrender your heart, your life, your being to Jesus Christ. This old cross here is an amazing thing to me. And, and I, I, Jim made it for so many years ago now, two or three, four years ago. And it's just a beautiful picture of God's love. That God loved us so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And that's the simplicity of the gospel. It's not our ability to keep rules. It's not our ability to go to church and think ourselves better. The simplicity of the gospel is that we were sinners. We need a savior. Jesus came and died and endured the wrath of God. And that any person... Any person who is willing to turn from their sin, that's called repentance, but turn from their sin and follow Jesus and receive God's grace could come to relationship with God. And now you're talking about a world changer. That's a world changer. And today, if you're here, you don't listen. I want to make it clear. Some of y'all think, Dwayne, do you know anything else? I probably really don't. Okay? But the deal is this. If you're here today, I want to make it very clear. You do not need to just change some habits in your life. Uh, You know, people say, I've got religion. I need church. Friend, church is a great thing, but I'm going to tell you something. What you need is a Savior because we're broken and we need a Savior. And then we talked about something else. Then then we started the journey. We started the wheels turning by asking this question. How would my world be different if my prayer life was surrendered? Now, you know in America kind of how we pray, you know, God, uh, thank thank you, God, Please bless me, bless the people I know, bless the sick people. And if you're really spiritual, you throw in God bless the missionaries, something like that. And, and we, I think we kind of ask the question, how would our world be different you know, if we didn't pray? I mean, our lives might be different because we have a tendency to pray for ourselves and those we know. But how would the world be different? And so we went and, and spent some time with Jesus because his disciples said, hey, Lord, teach us to pray. And he did. And he did. And the key part of that, we kind of focus on the whole thing, but the key part of that is thy kingdom come. In other words, the kingdom of God is the rule of God. And so, God, I want you to come and rule in my life. The simplistic part of the kingdom of God, it begins in us. It begins in our heart. And when Jesus said, thy kingdom come, he, and when he told us to pray that, he's saying we should pray, God, your rule come in my life. Because, God, it's always your deal, not my deal. Instead, he, in fact, he said it plainer. He said, 
um, let that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not, not my will, not my deal. Because God, we don't figure out you're a lot smarter than us. And besides that, you're the king. And so we should pray as you've taught us to pray. We should pray. How different would it be if we said, God, your rule come? How would our marriages be different if we invited God to be the, the king of our lives? How, how different would our circumstances be if we learned to pray, your will be done and not mine? Jesus did it. In the garden, he was facing the cross. And he said, if there's any way this cup can pass for me, what's about to happen, if it could not happen, he said, let it be that way. But, 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 not my will, but thy will. So how would our world be different if we really learned to pray in accordance to the will of God? How crazy is that? How crazy is that? And then we started. Then we started about talking about these seven points of surrender. And we talked about, we talked about the, the fact that we should surrender our eyes. And I know, I know, the first thing we think about when we think about eyes is we, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Lord up in heaven looks down on the earth. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And instantly we all thought about, yeah, I shouldn't look at that, and I shouldn't look at that. But really the thrust of that thought was, what if we could begin to see people as God sees people? What if we really didn't see a black man, a brown skin, a yellow man, or a white man? What if we see people as people? Because, you know, we said that day that the value of something is determined by the price something's willing to pay. You know, I, I may say my car's worth $10,000, but if you're not willing to pay $10,000, then, then my car's not worth $10,000. It's worth what you're willing to pay me for my car. Will you know how much value Jesus put on people? That. you know how much value... Listen, listen, you know how much value Jesus put on you? That. If, you're, if you wander through this life and you go, you know, I'm worthless and I'm nothing, God loved you so much, He allowed His Son Jesus to come and die for you. Blood was shed, pain was endured, wrath was endured, so you could have forgiveness of sins. What if we started seeing people... As we go, instead of seeing the grumpy neighbor and, and the jerk who pulled out in front of you and flipped you off with a bird, you know, what if we started seeing those people as people Jesus died for? Because you know what? They are. They are. How different would our church be? How different would our families be? Sir, how different would your wife be if you truly understand that she is precious in the sight of God and should be precious in your sight? It was really, it was really quite eye-opening, no pun intended. And then what if we saw our, our circumstances differently? What if all of a sudden we started honestly believing in the sovereignty of God? And what if we realized that these things were not, were not um, just arbitrary accidents and coincidence? What if we understood and really believed that our Father's in control? And that if that is true, then as we journey through life and we hit bumps and bruises, again, we understand that for some reason God has allowed those bumps and bruises to come in our lives. How different would we respond? How different would we act? How big would we make God? You know, I don't know the end of the story yet, but I'm going to tell you a story. It's still being written. You know, about 1 o'clock in the morning, Judy started throwing up. Okay? Everybody go, ah. That was bad. It really was. It was so bad, I didn't even know she got up. I was sleeping good. But I got up, when I got up that morning and she was downstairs, I went to the bathroom and there was a washcloth. And I said, that washcloth was not there. That's not a good sign. And the reason why, because she'd been to Georgia and the grandkids had had, had had the stomach flu. And when she got home, I said, uh-oh. So she stuck her head in and said, 
boy, I am really sick, Dwayne. I said, man, she was white as a sheet. It was not good. And me and my deep compassion, you know, the first thought in my mind was, oh, I hope I don't get it. You know? <laughs> it wasn't poor Judy. It was poor me. And so I went to the office. And I told the guys. I said, guys, you know, you just need to know there appears to be a five-day incubation period. That will hit about Saturday or Sunday, you know. And, you know, I might get flu, so Brent have something on, you know. And, and so the bottom line is, now listen, this is big for me. I know it's not big for you because you're spiritual than I am. But it's really big for me. I honestly, I said, God, I don't know how this is going to play out. I mean, there's about nine things in the world I really hate, and throwing up it's number one. Okay? But however, and I really prayed this. I said, God, within your sovereign will, I would like to preach Sunday morning, and I really don't want to get the flu. And so yesterday at 2 o'clock, you know, I leaned over to get something out of the window, and this wave of nausea just washed over me. And I said, here it comes. I walked into Judy and I said, here it comes. And she said, go get your pajamas on. I said, no, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm just going to sit down and see if it'll go away. And it did. And guess what? Here I am. Now, at 12.01 today, I may throw up. But God in his sovereignty, listen, listen, there's a point. God in his sovereignty said, today you preach. Today you preach. I may get sick tomorrow or tonight or something, but today you preach. I believe that. I don't believe, listen, I believe our, our health, our circumstances, our lives, our families are under control of a sovereign God. Now, does it still hurt when things happen? Yes. But we understand there's a God who's in control. So how would it be then if we saw things differently? How would it be if we heard things differently? What if we really could surrender our hearing instead of hearing the toxic, oh, does that ring a bell? The toxic voices around us. You know, Satan come in saying, you are worthless, you're trash, you'll always be a failure, there's no sense trying. And we listen to those toxic voices and it so impacts how we live and how we view God and how we view ourselves. And it all started because we learned about Elijah and Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And this great prophet believed it and he ran for his life. And many of us today are still running for our lives because we believe the lie rather than the truth. You remember that sermon? You remember that? The toxic voices. And how we learned at the end of that message, actually it's two weeks, how that we need to hear the still, small voice. We don't need to hear voices. We need to hear a voice. And it's the voice of God. And, and sometimes it's with lightning and thunder and sometimes it's earthquakes and sometimes it's wind. But often it's just a still, small voice. It's just a whisper from God that says, you're valuable. I love you. You're valuable. I love you. How different would our world be if we learned to listen to the voice that matters and not the ones that don't? And then, and then we, we journeyed, and, and little Dave took us on a little bit of a journey through Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and we talked about our minds. We talked about our mind, how we think. In Romans chapter 12, it says, you know, you know, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. And we're on that journey. And how we think is just so important. And then we, the next week, I picked it back up again, and we journeyed to the heart. And we talked about, again, the, the throne room of God. But how that, how that we desperately needed a new heart. How that our heart, just like Larry Reed's heart, Larry Reed's heart was damaged beyond repair by a virus. And the only hope Larry had was a new heart. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, you remember? You remember? 
It says that the heart is desperately wicked. And who can know it? And we learned that our heart was so sick that it couldn't be repaired. There was, there was no bypass surgery that was going to help. It took a heart transplant. And again, that's a beautiful picture of what the cross is all about. What the gospel is all about. How God takes out our stony hard heart and puts in a fresh new heart. And then we talked about this. Then we talked about this. But then I learned as I was preparing to teach you guys something I knew, but it really, again, it spoke to my heart big time. Is that the, really the sermon wasn't about this. It was still about this. Because in Luke 6.45, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, if there's toxicity coming out of your mouth, if there's things coming out of your mouth, you don't have a mouth problem, you've got a heart problem. We learned that. In fact, we learned that day that, that you don't have a giving problem, you've got a heart problem. You don't have a lust problem, you've got a heart problem. You don't have a jealousy problem, you've got a heart problem. You don't have a bitterness problem, you've got a heart problem. You don't have an unforgiveness problem, you've got a heart problem. And that's what made it so big. Because you know, unforgiveness of its own is, is not good. But when you understand it means you have a bad heart. Woo! That gets really important. Because the heart is so important. And then we realize that when you tie this and this together, it really impacts this. Because, you know, God's word says that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if our heart is filled with the Holy Spirit... And then Paul later wrote in Colossians and said that, that the word of God should abide, let the word of Christ abide in you richly. So if the word of God fills your brain and the Holy Spirit fills your heart, there's no left for the toxicity. Toxic stuff. Listen, if the Holy Spirit fills your heart, it, your heart won't be toxic. And if the word of God fills your brain, it won't be toxic either. And if the word of God is here and the Holy Spirit is here, guess what's going to come out of here? Good stuff. Amen? Good stuff. See, you get a person in there. You can give a kid. You can give a cook. Let's bring it home. You can give me the best kitchen ever. You can turn me loose and say, here's the finest range. Here's the finest refrigerator. And here's the finest um, griddle and the blender and the food processor. You can give me all that stuff. But if I don't know how to cook... It's all for naught. In fact, I do one thing well. Instant grits. One half cup water. Tear open the package. Put in one wedge of laughing cow cheese. Sprinkle in some bacon bits. Cook for one minute and 20 seconds in the microwave on high. And ta-da, you've got grits. I can do that. But all the equipment in the world would not help me if I don't know how to cook. Same with Christ. Same with the gospel. Same with living out our faith. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the filling of the word of God in our brains. And this comes out. Amen? It was powerful. It was, I really think this is such impactful stuff. And then, and then we talked about these. We talked about ministry. We talked about you know, tearing the roof out of the church, doing whatever it takes to share the gospel with Jesus Christ because that's what God is all about. One way, one way we love God is we minister to people. You know, Again, if all we do is feed people, we send them to hell fat. If all we do is clothe people, we send them lost to hell with clothes on. 
But when you put in food and clothing and mix it with Jesus Christ and earn the right to tell the gospel, people get saved. Lives get changed. So we talked about stepping outside of our comfort zone. What would it look like if we stepped out of our comfort zone? And that's the day I told you, I'm so proud to be your pastor. Because one of the things I think we do pretty good, and we're still learning, but we're working through it, is that we learn to minister to people in Jesus' name. That's cool. And then we finally ended up last week with our feet. We talked about following Jesus. We talked about it all begins with a simple transformation of the gospel. That is, we turn from our sin, we receive God's grace, and then we follow Jesus. Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. See how simple that is? Follow me. You know, turn from your sin because you can't stay in your sin and follow Jesus. I mean, that's, that's logic. You not, only, you not only turn away from your sin, you point yourself toward the teacher, toward Jesus Christ, and you follow him. And that's what life is all about. You're born again, you're saved, um, you're transformed, and then you spend the rest of your life surrendered following Jesus Christ. That's, isn't that simple? And then one day we die and we go to heaven and spend eternity with him. That's how cool it is. Simplistic, but powerful. So how would your world look if all that happened in your life? And the cool part is, is that again, it's really not something we do. It's allow God to do to us. Because the command to be filled with the Spirit, it simply means in the Greek to allow it to happen. It's not us, be filled with the Spirit, 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 be filled with the Spirit. No. No. It's certainly saying, okay, God, do with me as you want. What did Mary say? Let it be to your handmaid as you desire. Okay, God, whatever you want to do is okay with me. I surrender. And that's what it is for us. And the cool part is, it's a great journey. So, how are we going to wrap this baby up? That was intentional, by the way. That long was intentional. How does it end up? Well, I began about a month ago, and my inbox comes a devotional from Rick Warren on Steps to Surrender. And I honestly picked up and said, oh, that's, that's got to tie in. And sure enough, it did. And our scripture this morning is Job chapter 11, Job chapter 11, 13 through 18. And it's going to be amazing. The first part, I just talked to you. It was so amazing how this tied in. Now, y'all remember Job, don't you? Some of you say, yeah, that's my life. Well, his life was really, really hard. I mean, a lot of circumstances, but he was a pure man. And all this, the Bible says, Job didn't sin as God. But, but three friends came, eventually a fourth one, but three friends came, and they were not really good friends because they spent all this time telling Job how he must have sinned against God and how that he's offended God, and that's why all this is happening to him. Uh, that's, that was their pretext, and they were totally wrong. And so far is the one who's speaking in Job chapter 11. And his assumption is, now keep this in mind as I read these scriptures to you, his assumption is, Job, you must have sinned, so this is what you need to do. Now, in doing that, he gave us a really powerful scripture on journeying with God through our lives. And I chose the CEV, which is the Contemporary English Version, because of the powerful words that are in the first phrases of this. Here's what it says. He starts out and says this. Amazingly, surrender your heart to God. Surrender your heart to God. So the first step is surrender your heart to God. And what does that look like? 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We could bring it all the way to the New Testament and what we've talked about where Jesus said, you know, disciples said, teach me how to pray. Okay, thy kingdom come. Surrender the throne of your heart. Let me ask you a question. Is there any area in your life where God has hands off? Is there any area in your life where you've held back and said, okay, God, that's just not your area? If there is, that's a red flag that you have not surrendered to the kingdom. Because God, Jesus clearly, clearly taught in his journey on this earth, when you follow him, it's a 100% surrender. It's not 90%. It's not 70%. It is 100% surrender. So Zophar says to Job, and we say, Jesus says to us, surrender your heart. And then look, amazingly, turn to him in prayer. Turn to him in prayer. We surrender our heart, and then we're going to pray. So funny. Have you ever thought about this? This is, so, this is so like us. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Okay. All right. Well, I'll go something like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Okay. Hallowed be thy name. Yeah. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Got it. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. And forgive us our trespasses, that we forgive those who trespass against us, yes. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Got it. And then promptly ignored it. Isn't that funny? It's just funny how, how we say, okay, God, teach us, and then we promptly ignore it. Give your life to prayer. Are you willing to say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? How radical is that? How faith-like is that? How trusting God is that? You know, it's amazing. Have you ever thought about this? Why is it that we feel like if we get 100 people praying for us, somehow that's going to change God's mind? First off, you figure something out? God already knows best. And, and like, like, what if the magic number is 101? Oops, I'm one short. Now listen, if I get, if I get the stomach flu, I'll get Judy or somebody, Brent, David, someone's going to do a call out. And say, pray for Brother Dwayne, he's dying, and I will be on 900 prayer lists. But you know what? My sovereign Father already has a plan. And I want you, if you do the call out, just say, God, help Dwayne to trust, and Lord, we trust you to take care of our pastor. I got a feeling that's a big crux of the prayer thing. I trust you, I believe you, thy will be done. But then he says something that's. Kind of new, a little bit, because he says, and give up your sins, even those you, you do in secret. Give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Again, you can hear Zophar accusing Job in that verse, but there's a lot of power in that verse. Give up your sins. Let me tell you why. Not only because it's offensive to God. I, I get that. But you understand this, the damage sin does? I mean, rarely, rarely, rarely. There are always consequences to sin. And sometimes those consequences are pretty small, but sometimes they are just huge. And God knows the damage that sin can do in our lives. This whole book was written, again, for His glory and and for Him to be revealed, but it's written for our good also. And so, so Zophar speaks to Job, but I speak to you from the New Testament. You know, we need to give up our sin because God knows the damage that sin does. You know, if you've been through the horrors of an affair, you've been caught in a lie. 
You ever gossip about someone and that person come up to you and say, did you really say that? You know the angst that gives you. And God knows that. But now see, there's one more thing though. Sin damages our relationship with God. And some of y'all just cringed and said, Dwayne, you have taught us for the last two years that nothing damages our relationship. Well, hang on. Yes, that's true. Nothing damages our relationship. Watch this. From up to down, nothing changes with my relationship with God. From up to down. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I hear an amen? God doesn't angst when, I, when I'm down here and I mess up. God doesn't go, ooh. Why? Because he sees me through the blood of his son. Nothing changes my God's favor. Nothing I do from heaven to earth. But you know what sin can change? Earth to heaven. Because we are wired so weird. When we sin, we all, it's like God doesn't like me. God doesn't love me. I've lost God's favor. I can't perform. I can't keep up. I can't. And we feel so guilty, so yucky, so worthless. So, so it does impact our relationship. Not God to me, but me to God. And Satan knows that. He knows if, you can get, if he can get you feeling all yucky that God doesn't love you anymore, what kind of believer are you going to be? What kind of kingdom work can you do? How, how's it going to impact your marriage? How's it going to impact your children? So give up your sins. Why? Yes, it's offensive to God, but I'm telling you, it's for your benefit. Sin damages. Sin hurts. And impacts how you perceive God. We are just wired that way. And Satan knows that. So, so Zophar says, you know, give up your sins. Even those you do in secret. And then he gives us like some benefits. Here's what he says. Then you won't be ashamed. You'll be confident and fearless. Fearless. In other words, you know, you won't be ashamed. The guilt, listen, guilt's horrible. Can I have an amen? Listen, listen, listen. Two things. Guilt is a horrible motivator. So many preachers use the, the nightstick called guilt. And guilt will get a decision. I mean, I can probably, you know, any good speaker or preacher can guilt people into action. But you know how long that guilt lasts? Till about the first piece of chicken at lunch. Guilt's a terrible motivator. Shame on us for even using it. And guilt is a horrible taskmaster. Horrible taskmaster. So the power of this, when you think about surrendering your heart, turning to him in prayer, and giving up your sins, even though you do in secret, it removes that guilt. And you know what replaces guilt? You start to understand love. That God loves you on your worst day. God loves you on your worst day. God doesn't kick you out of the club on your worst day. You'll feel like you deserve to be kicked out. You'll feel ashamed. But God loves you on your worst day. So, so give up. Give up this, this ashamedness by giving up your sin. And you'll be confident. Listen to this verse. Listen to this. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Listen, listen, listen. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help at the proper time. We can approach God with confidence. Why? Because we perform well? Because we keep the rules pretty good? Because we attend church a lot? No. We can approach God with boldness because we have a great high priest and his name is Jesus Christ. We can approach it with grace and mercy. Grace is unmerited favor. Mercy is God's unmerited kindness. We can approach him with confidence. And fearlessly. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear brings torment, John says. But perfect love casts out fear. Now, a little bit further. Your troubles will go away like water beneath the bridge. Isn't that beautiful? Your troubles will go away. And then someone's going, but Dwayne, that's not realistic. You know, if I, if I surrender my heart and I turn to him in prayer and I even do what you said and give her the sin because it impacts how I view God. Not how God views me, but how I view God. My troubles are still there. Yeah, but it's different. See, John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. My peace I give. Let not your heart be troubled or afraid. John 14, 1. She said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. When, 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 we, when we allow God to surrender, to, to learn to say, thy kingdom come, we will live in a troubled world, but we view them totally different because we view them through the lens of God's peace. It's a game changer, guys. I've done this for 31 years. And I've seen people face the death of a loved one, themselves face death. I've seen it without the peace of God and with the peace of God. I think with the peace of God and without the peace of God. It's a whole different world. And so far, telling Job, but us speaking from the New Testament, from the Word of God, is that Jesus promises peace. And with His peace, our troubles are like water under the bridge. And then He says, And your darkest night will be brighter than noon. Dwayne, that's not true. Right now, I'm in a very dark place. Well, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. And when the light of the world lives in your heart, all darkness must flee. But again, that happens when you're willing to surrender. It happens when you're willing to trust. You receive the peace of Christ when you're willing to surrender. You receive the light of the day when you're willing to surrender the darkness to Him. And then He finishes up with this. You will find rest, I'm sorry, you find rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. You will find rest safe and secure. Jesus said this, Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You will find rest. So if we're willing to surrender our hearts, if we're willing to surrender our prayer life, if we're willing to to give up, surrender our sin, I guess you could say it, give up your sins even though you do in secret, then these are things that happen in our lives. Not might happen. Those happen in our lives. I know there are preachers that claim if you, if you give 20, he'll give you 40. You know, if you'll do this, if, you, if you'll give me some seed money, then this will happen. No, that's not what I'm talking. But the Word of God says if you're willing to surrender your heart, if you're willing to, to pray in accordance with, with His will, if you're willing to surrender your prayer life, if you're willing to, to yield up your sin so that relationship here to there is, is powerful and lovely, then things happen. Things happen. Judy, Judy sent me the words of a song this morning, and it's entitled, Me Without You, by Toby Mack. And part of the words go like this. And where would I be without you? I'd be packing my bags when I need to stay. I'd be chasing every breeze that blows my way. I'd be building my kingdom just to watch it fade away. It's true. That's me without you. That's me without you. That is me without you. Don't know where I'd be without you. I was so deep, so incomplete, till you rescued me. You rescued me. You are mine. I am yours. You rescued me, and I am yours forever. You saved me. You remade me. And where would I be? I'd be packing my bags when I needed to stay. I'd be chasing every breeze that blows my way. I'd be building my kingdom just to watch it fade away. It's true. That's me without you. So as we bring this series to a close, and I don't know if this was impactful for you today or not, I needed a review because I can't, I can't apply what I don't remember. But as we come to the end of this series, are you willing today to surrender your heart, surrender your prayers, surrender your sins? Surrender your heart, surrender your prayers, surrender your sin. Your heart, because he is the king of your life. Your prayers, because prayers prayed in accordance with God's will are the ones he hears. 1 John chapter 5. Surrender your sin, because it impacts your relationship up to him. It impacts your perception of him from here to there. Would you bow your heads right there? It's elementary, my dear Watson. It's really quite simple. Today, first question, have you turned from your sin, or was there a time of repentance in your life? You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you chose to follow him. Are you a product of God's grace today? If not, my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And we'd love to share with you about God's grace today. How that his merit is nothing we could ever earn, but he offers us a free gift through his son, Jesus Christ. As a follower of Jesus Christ today, is there any area of your life that God has brought to your attention this morning that you need to surrender? Are your eyes surrendered? 
Is your hearing surrendered? Is your heart surrendered? Is your intellect surrendered? Is your mouth surrendered? Your hands and your feet. The magnificent seven. God, thank you for the honor and privilege of sharing today. I am grateful, Father, that I could be here today. Thank you for that. Father, I pray that the word that was spoken today, and over really over the last ten weeks, Father, would it be impactful in our lives. May we forever be changed by the truth that we have heard. I pray, Father, for the congregation. Holy Spirit, that you'd have your way right now. If there is someone today who needs to surrender their heart to you, they're willing to turn from their sin and follow Jesus. Help them, give them the courage to make that decision to follow today. Father, for all of us, Father, help us to examine ourselves and see if there's an area that needs to be surrendered to you. May we be willing to lay it all down at all cost for you.